becomes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger straight around the corner. It's a dream that you to make real. Passing note of the song. Glimmer, glimmer of the ship being seen. Like a bearded manly <laughs> angel. <laughs> All the angels are men, right? Uh, are there female angels? I think they're androgynous, from what I understand. Oh. Like neither female or female. Oh, okay. They don't have uh, private parts. So they're non-binary. Hmm. <laughs> that's my understanding. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah. I've never met one. <laughs> <laughs> Except for... <laughs> <laughs> She'll just say, except for my wife. No, <laughs> she is an angel. Yeah. Well, cheers. Cool. Cheers. To the shores. <laughs> say happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Why? I have no idea. We're not even close. I, I mean, know. Well, we're thinking about our trip, so that was... The- oh, true. Shores of Ignorance holiday vacation. It's coming up. <laughs> coming up. I can't believe it's been almost a year. I know. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's been uh yeah, those are always good to just get away and we just basically mind dump the yeah. whole time. Do you ever have times where like time itself seems nonlinear somehow? Hmm. Like the other day, what was it, I guess Monday? Yeah, it was Monday when I was walking into my office. It was like sunny. And then when I left to pick up my daughter, it was flooding. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to pick up groceries for dinner, it was sunny again. And then I <laughs> sat down at the end of the day and I was like, usually on school nights, I, the last thing I do at the end of the day is journal and just basically write kind of the things that happened during the day. And sometimes I, hopefully or ideally that will turn into, um, some sort of interesting insight or, uh, something more interesting to, to write about other than just the, the happenings. But I sat down and I was like, when did this day begin? It felt like not, mm-hmm. you know, 16 hours ago or whatever it was, but somehow in a different timeline completely. Yeah. So it's like the linearness of time dissolved in, in part, I think, because of the weather, the extreme weather. But I do feel like, I think people draw me into the linear timeline. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, some sort of like there's some sort of anchor point because i think most of the time i'm in my in my head you know mm-hmm. it's like so it's it's when you have to interact with people it's sort of like oh okay that's when you encounter linear I need to, time i need to orient myself and tether myself to what's important right here yeah <laughs> right now you know it's like um but i definitely enjoy more i mean i, I guess even our but in our podcast it, it's like we kind of go outside of time mm-hmm. you know it's like one is we're kind of in this podcast realm where we're actually talking to our audience who's going to be listening to it in the future. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I'm talking to them right now. That's an interesting point. Yeah. So I kind of feel like if you're listening to this right now, that we're actually sitting down with you in our present time, but it's not your present time. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of an interesting well, for the record. Today is Wednesday, August 24th. <laughs> so whenever you're listening to this, hello from the past, <laughs> hello from the past, <laughs> Buy Apple stock. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. We'd be rich if we do those things. <laughs> no, of course. Yeah. It's something that uh, we don't want to get into this, but, um, 
been just truly baffled. I, I, one thing that I'm getting into a lot right now is sort of like the what is money thing. And you know, that question you just keep asking, but the more you get, you ask the question, the less you understand. I feel like that way with the financial system and money and all that, it just, you know, like I, I want to talk about it on this ep- on an episode sometime, you know, we did with Dave a little bit, but anytime I start to even open my mouth about it, I, I kind of get off into like 10,000 different, you know, spirals of, <clears throat> of thought and what ifs and stuff. Yeah. It does seem to be like a fractal. Mm-hmm, totally. The more you understand, the more you understand how much you don't understand. God, yeah. Which is crazy. Mm-hmm. The money thing seems to be one of those things too, that the more you understand, you keep start thinking, Oh, well, this is going to be really helpful and, <laughs> you know, change my financial situation. <laughs> totally. And it hasn't, I <laughs> <laughs> haven't reached that level of understanding yet. Uh-uh. <clears throat> it does seem that way. But I think we want to well, get into respect. Yeah. Oh, let's talk about respect. Talk about a different subject. Mm-hmm. <laughs> R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Mm-hmm. And so I had this interesting um, interaction with my 16-year-old son in which and it was a, a fairly contentious interaction. One might call it an argument. <laughs> um, you know, but he's 16, so to be expected. And he, I'm a single parent which I think changes the dynamic of the, of the arguments. But anyway, during this interaction, at some point I told him that he was being disrespectful and he sort of immediately was like, no, I'm not. (laughs) Um, and I was telling you about this earlier before the podcast and you kind of like put your hand out, like there it is. Exactly. (laughs) There's the evidence that you're being disrespectful. And, Mm -hmm. I just kind of stood and stared at him and thought, well, how do I explain to you how you're being disrespectful? What is respect? Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't have a good answer on the tip of my tongue. And it reminded me, Peterson has made this point that there are lots of, there are lots of things that, you know, and I think uh, Brett Weinstein makes this point really well too. Just because you can't define a word doesn't mean you don't know what it means. Hmm. And I think the point of that is that there are a lot of things, whether words or concepts and ideas that we, we know Hmm. we have working knowledge of. And we act out too. And we act out successfully. Mm -hmm. And yet you say, Hey, give me a definition for that. It's like, it's been working well, so well for so long. We don't need the definition mm-hmm. in order for us to act it out successfully. And so you kind of lose it. What is something like respect? And I thought, why is that, that I don't have a definition for that on hand? Mm. And maybe it's in part because the concept of respect is, well, there isn't a simple definition. I looked up the definition of respect and I, I found it to be fairly disappointing. Hmm. It was basically like admiration for someone for their qualities and skills and capabilities. Hmm. I thought, okay, maybe, maybe that's part of it. But I think the way that we use respect more broadly, well, it's broader than that. Mm -hmm. It encompasses that, but it's bigger because, you know, when I tell my son, you're, and maybe as I say this, I'm going to disprove myself. But when I tell my son, you're being disrespectful to me, I'm not saying, Hey, you should be admiring me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the, that's the setup here. 
and I thought maybe we could talk about it. What is respect? Um, yeah, when we were talking about it earlier though, on the porch, it was, it, two two aspects that kind of stuck out to me was one that uh, even in the definition, it, uh, respect is something earned or given. It's not something that can be demanded. Hmm. Um, you know, there. You know, so there's there's two two things within that is that um, you can respect a person and you can also respect the the office of whatever, whatever that person holds, like, you know, know, the, you know, if you're, if you can respect your boss, the position of him as your boss or her as your boss, but you might not respect the person, but you still, there's a certain amount of respect that you have to kind of give in that hierarchy of that business in order for that business to function. Like I respect the office of vice president or, um, you know, director of operations, whatever it might be. Because, you know, whether or not I agree with the person, that's how we are able to function and move forward in some, with some sort of goal or orientation. Mm-hmm. So there's a respect for the office, but then there's also a respect for a person, which, you know, it's like, uh, like, I, I respect you. You know, you're a good father. You know, it's a, you're a clear thinker. Uh, you got a good heart. And so there's a lot of things that I respect about you. So to me, I was, I would say like, you're very respectable or I could respect you, you know, um, made me feel a little <laughs> soft and giddy there, <laughs> but it's like, it's not something that you demanded of me. It's like, mm-hmm. Michael respect me now. Yeah, right. <laughs> but then I, I was thinking too, but as a, as a kid to a parent, there's a certain blessing you get, you know, by respecting your parents because there's a certain humility that comes with that. Like, Hey, you've been here longer than I have. Mm -hmm. You might know something more than I have. So it's, it's important for kids to respect their parents. And obviously there's, there's, there's some reasons not to do that too, but their survival and livelihood generally mm -hmm. is dependent on that respect. Mm -hmm. Like, especially when they're super young. Yeah. You know, maybe this is when, you know, when they become 16, like my son, it just kind of gets adjudicated. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, when they're three, four years old and you tell them not to run into a parking lot, well, it's important that they respect you mm-hmm. in, in what you tell them not to do. Their life kind of depends on it. You mm-hmm. know, that actually answers the question, because I agree with you that respect can't be demanded. And in fact, when you demand it, you lose it. Mm. If I demand your, if, if I demand that you respect me, the result is that you don't respect me. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have respect for somebody who demands that. Mm-hmm. Um, just like if I demand that you trust me, you're immediately going to think he must be untrustworthy. <laughs> What's he <laughs> hiding? Uh-huh. You know, yeah. why is, why is that, you know, necessary mm-hmm. for him to demand? Um, but then I thought the case with children, though, is, is that we do demand their respect. Mm-hmm. You know, we say to our children, you will respect me. You know, I, I say to my four-year-old, don't run out in the parking lot. And they do it. And I correct them. And I say, you know, don't do it again. And you will respect me. Otherwise, you'll have a consequence. Mm-hmm. That is a, a sort of demand. Well, it seems necessary. And it's, a, it's also a lesson into life that, you know, there's a certain amount of respect that you do give to somebody like, like it's important for our kids to respect our, 
decision making. And obviously for us to listen to our kids and to, to weigh, you know, how that, how things affect them. But at the same time, it's like, we're responsible for them to some degree as they are growing older and older. And at some point we have to let them go completely, but we have a certain obligation to our kids mm-hmm. You know, in in the U.S., it's like pretty much eighteen, sort of like okay, now you're an adult and you're legally bound to this this state. You know, that's interesting. What is the relationship between responsibility and respect? Hmm. Like, I'm responsible for my kids, therefore I, in some way, require that they respect me. Mm-hmm. I think there's something similar going on with like a uh, workplace hierarchy. You know, you get a job, you know, you don't know anybody there. You don't know the company well. Um, They haven't earned your respect, but there's provisional respect that you give, Mm -hmm. right? You, you come in, you're polite, you're humble, you're grateful. um, And when somebody in a higher position than you asks you to do something, you don't question it. You just do it. Mm -hmm. It's like you're, you're extending provisional respect. And that provision of respect is based on the fact that that company is responsible for your well-being. Mm-hmm. And so there's like a contract there. And that, can ob- and that can change, obviously. You might lose that provisional respect as you determine that your boss is a psychopath or, you know, like... Mm-hmm. Uh, or your values don't align or something right. like that. Yeah. You know, or enough times the direction is issued... And it turns out to be bad for you or bad for the company. And at some point you're going to lose that respect or you gain more respect Mm -hmm. as, as things go positively. Well, it's something that I think as, as kids that it's important for us to learn, you know, like when we were growing up, I think there was just more of a, the adage of respect your elders was a lot more prevalent as we were growing up, maybe just in the South uh, there's there are certain ways that you show that sort of respect. You call someone Mr. or Mrs. Vaclav or, mm-hmm. um, you know, yes ma'am, no ma'am. It was kind of built into the language and the, that we used when we talked with somebody older than us. Uh, you know, I remember saying like, yeah, like, no, yes, or yes, right. sir. It's not yeah. Right. You don't say that. It sounds like, sounds you, you make yourself sound stupid, you know, basically. Right. <laughs> and, so maybe there's some of that stuff that has been that we are no that's no longer part of our culture to our detriment. And then because I mean, the other argument would be like, it's like, oh, all those formalities are kind of stupid. We shouldn't mm-hmm. have to like, you know, yes, sir. No, sir. Well, they want me to call you call them Mike or whatever it is. Right. You know? and, um, but I, th- I think there's some things that are built into our culture that were, are there for a reason that, mm-hmm. you know, we respect our elders. There's something that just by them being old and elder yeah. that they deserve a certain amount of respect that what's well, interesting their years you so. actually want that not only for the the youth who are being asked to show respect but you want it for the elder too mm-hmm. like i remember i feel like there were times when i was growing up where like i was raised to say yes or yes ma'am mm-hmm. um you know and my friends called my parents mr and mrs mccloskey Mm-hmm. And I, I remember having, you know, other friends with parents who, like you said, would say, you know, no, no, call me Mike. Mm-hmm. And I think there was something that rubbed me the wrong way about that, because I think, well, you're not Mike to me. Mm-hmm. Like my friend, 
Mike is Mike. Mm -hmm. Like you're an elder, you're older, you're more responsible or you should be, Mm -hmm. you're wiser or you should be. And so addressing you in a way that recognizes that actually calls you to be that too. Mm -hmm. And if that person, if you're an adult and you're telling children to call you by your first name rather than a formal, uh, a formal name, Mm -hmm. there's a, an aspect of that, of that, that I think can be shirking what should be your responsibility. Hmm. Like I'm just, I'm just a fun guy. It's like, no, you're not just a fun guy to these kids. You're also a source of wisdom, Mm -hmm. security, safety, responsibility, or you should be. Mm -hmm. That's something that you should step into as you get older. So funny. As you're saying this, I kind of find myself pushing both directions like, like I told you, like you come over to my house and my kids are like, Hey Matt, what's right. going on Matt? You know, it's in the, you know, there's that part that my kids have a lot of familiarity with you, but at the same time I do see the value of that, of those titles mm-hmm. and sort of distinction yeah. that, that more of the older ways are, are known to do that, you know, like here's elder Michael, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, or, or, or whatever it is, you see that. I mean, I think that's why institutions have, you know, doctors and, you know, MD, there's all these titles, right? Because it's bestowing a certain amount of like respect and accomplishment. That, it's, it's, I think it's also bestowing responsibility mm-hmm. on to that person. Yeah. Like we call doctors doctor mm-hmm. because like, look, our life's in your hands. Mm. So you better be up to the task. Yeah. And so I'm not going to call you, you know, Stuart. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to call you Dr. Michaels, Stuart Michaels. <laughs> I don't know. I just, off the tip of my tongue, it's not a real person. What is funny because it, it, it also helps to sort of like delineate between, you know, if you go to the doctor's office, it is your friend. I can see that how much more beneficial it would be to like, Hey, no, in this, in this environment, I'm Dr. Vaclav to you. Right. Um, just because I, I need that distinction for myself so that I'm not thinking of you as my friend, Matt, but I'm your doctor in this situation right. and I need to be in that space and headspace. Maybe to, that applies to the, the situation with like close non family friends. So like mm-hmm. me with your kids, mm-hmm. I've known probably half of your kids since roughly when they were born. Yeah. You know, so it kind of makes sense that they would call me by my first name. Mm-hmm. They grew up knowing me. And in your house, that's one, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But maybe in other situations, like, I don't know what they might be, but it <laughs> might, it might be appropriate to adjust mm-hmm. that language because we, as we play different roles, there are different ex- expectations. Mm-hmm. Like there's an expectation about the way that I'm going to interact with your kids when I'm at your home. There's also an, an expectation about the way that, your daughter and I are going to inter- interact when she's spending the night here. And mm-hmm. it's not the same. It's different. Yeah. yeah totally. You know, that makes sense. It's so interesting. I, I, I find myself wanting to push on, push against this in so many ways, like just how antiquated that is in a sense. Hmm. But, but I, I can't get, I can't get past the utility of those distinctions too. Mm-hmm that they're actually valuable for society to have those sort of hierarchical or distinctions of respect that are 
needed for a society to function well. Mm-hmm. You know, what we call, you know, the president of the United States, you know. Mr. President. Yeah. And even after they've left office, mm-hmm. we still call them, you know, President Bush, President Clinton, mm-hmm. President Trump. Although, I, and I don't know if the formalities of this have changed or not, but I've noticed recently people do refer to Trump as the former president. Hmm. I don't remember people doing that to past presidents. That's a good question. I, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Well, that's a, just, just to kind of hit it on that point, too, is, you know, growing up, too, I was always taught, it's like you have respect for the presidency. No matter who's, who's in office, you have respect for the office of presidency. And, you know, my parents were probably more conservative, I would say. Not, not real conservative, but definitely conservative. And, like, even when Clinton was in office, you know, I, that's something I remember them saying. It's like, you know, we didn't vote for him, but you still respect the, yeah. the office of the president. So right. He's our president. And I feel like that's something that's kind of... And, and some people would say, well it's totally valid, you know, <laughs> with Trump or something like that, or even Biden, you know, it's and and to not respect him, to not respect the, the office of the presidency, whether you respect the man, <clears throat> that's another thing, you know? Hmm. I mean, so I was raised the same way in that when the president speaks and it doesn't matter which, who, who the president president is, mm-hmm. it's like you sit down you listen, you take it seriously. And I, it seems to me that the reason for that is that even if you disrespect the man in the position, if you don't respect the position, that's, it's worse. Hmm. Because I think you said it this way earlier, like there are positions that require respect in order to be functional. Hmm. Like if nobody respects the position of the president, that would be bad because we need that position for the country to continue to operate in the way that it has mm-hmm. at least. Um, and so if you don't respect that position, then the, the game changes. Yeah. It's hard to, I mean, I think it's probably for me easier to see it in a business context. You know, it's a little bit more <clears throat> real because sometimes <throat> the president is, is so detached in yeah, foreign policy true. and stuff. And, uh, we'll try it on, in business. Well, in business, like there's a certain amount of respect that I sort of demand as, as the owner of Medici. Sort of, I have a goal and a vision for this company and we've hired you on to help fulfill and to, um, to accomplish that vision and goal. You know, it's not something that many of you know, that people had, hmm. had sort of molded, and that's what we're doing together. It's like, no, I've hired you to do this and it will change and transform. However, I still need you to be on board with the basics of what this is. Like we're here to serve people good coffee and good customer service like that. If if that's not something you can get on board with, Mm -hmm. then this is not the place for you. Yeah. Because if you're setting the goals and the vision and the direction, Mm -hmm an employee might not respect you as a person mm-hmm. might not even like you as a person mm-hmm. might disagree with you about everything as a person. Yeah. But if they don't agree with the goal of the company mm-hmm. and then respect the mouthpiece of that, of those goals, which is the owner operator, mm-hmm. 
which is the position that you hold, mm -hmm. if they don't respect the position that you hold, then you can't achieve any of the goals and the whole game falls apart. And it, so I think it's even easier to see, I, I hire a director of operations and I, I say to the director of operations, like, hey, we're wanting to make great coffee and great customer service. Now, can you make that happen? <laughs> right. And so like as my sort of representative, you know, you know, they might, you know, there's always conflicts in companies. Not everyone's going to like each other. They might not like the director of operations, but I'm asking you to help him fulfill those goals. If you can't do that, you need to extend some sort of respect to that because he's trying to, or she's trying to accomplish these certain goals. Mm -hmm. So it occurs to me as we're talking about that, there's, there does seem to have been a shift over the last <clears throat> I mean, maybe I started to become aware of it five years ago or so, but mm -hmm. <clears throat> it does seem like broadly our culture has stopped respecting positions. Hmm. So if I'm your employee and I dislike you and I don't respect you as a person, but I'm going to work at Medici, I'm going to come to work and I'm going to respect you as the boss. Mm -hmm. I'm respecting the position, not you. Mm -hmm. I might see you at the bar later off working hours or whatever mm -hmm. and feel free to give you the cold so shoulder. Mm -hmm. But when I show up to work, I'm going to give you the respect you're due. Mm -hmm. And maybe you see that even more clearly in um, the military. That's true. Yeah. Right. Because in the military, the goals of the operation are not to delight customers and have good customer service. It's like, it's to not die. And so if, if the game falls apart, then you might die. And so you're going to give the commander respect, whether or not you think he's a son of a bitch. Mm -hmm. um, but it seems like what's happened as we have gotten really obsessed with, I say this broadly and culturally, we've become really obsessed with whether or not the person holding the position is respectable. Mm. And we, you know, you see this all the time. Somebody holds a position and then all of a sudden somebody finds a tweet from 10 years ago that rubs the current value system the wrong way. And it's like, this guy's not worthy of our respect. And mm -hmm. it's totally okay for all the employees to strike, to, you know, tweet horrible things, post horrible things, mm -hmm. spread, you know, all sorts of malice and hatred toward that person. So there's no respect for the position anymore. Mm -hmm. We think that we should, we should be able to respect the person, not the position. The position is secondary, but in an operation, the position is primary. Mm. Um, and it seems like the result of that is going to only, can only be for things to fall apart, which is kind of exactly what you've seen mm. of traditional mainstream institutions. That's interesting. I, I I would like to like maybe sit on that for a second, because what you said was that it almost is necessary for us to respect the position, or as things will will just fall apart. There's a certain there's a certain institutional um, institutional. Again, when you said uh, it, it kind of made sense to me for a second there. So in order to have a hierarchy, in order for things to get done, somebody has to be in charge and has to promote and, and move things forward. So if that person is doing that in line with the goals of the company, it's like you might not like that person's political views, but as far as the company and where it's moving, 
he's actually or she is actually in line with the goals of the company. So there's a certain amount of respect that you need to have in moving forward with that. Now you can disagree all day long on politics, but this isn't this isn't about that. I think I don't think we can separate. We're not separating those yeah. two things very well today. Where actually your outside perspectives on abortion or um, you know. Uh, whatever it might be, you know, name the issue Mm -hmm. or you're a conservative Democrat, whatever it might be. It's like, actually a lot of those things are outside the purview of what this company is needing to do to operate, to operate. It kind of, I can see like a movie scene in my head, sort of like, um, you know, the scene in full metal jacket where Mm -hmm. the, the commander or whatever is going down the line of troops and Mm -hmm. screaming in their faces. And I can, I can imagine sort of like he says to the troop, do you respect me? You know, sort of that demanding respect thing and the, the troop, is that the right word? Troop cadet? I don't know. <laughs> Trooper <laughs> might say back to him. I respect the commander. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't say, I, cause he, he might not respect that man, mm-hmm. but it's necessary for him to respect the commander. And for the time being, that man fills the position of commander. And so I will give the commander respect because mm-hmm. there is, a necessary separation for the safe survival of this operation. For sure. I mean, if you're in a, if you're in a combat situation, you can't have 10 other people questioning whether the commander is doing something correct or incorrect, right? That you're going to, you're just going to get yourself killed. It's more important that the whole, that the whole group does the coordinated thing than Mm -hmm. it is that they do the right thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is hard to, it's hard to, I understand that. And I think it's hard to kind of grasp that a little bit, mm-hmm. but you could spend, everyone could spend, you know, six hours talking about how they feel or what they think should be done, but you don't have five or six hours. <laughs> right. You know, at some point you have to do something. Uh-huh. Otherwise the, uh, the game is over. Yeah. You're and, and if you're not coordinated, you'll never do the right thing. So mm-hmm. it's better to be coordinated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's so interesting because you can definitely see why the objections to these different areas is like well that mm-hmm. guy's a piece of shit you know I don't like him right it's like well yeah you know and then there there can be some argument like maybe that person's not a good leader maybe they don't have they're not leading in the goals but that's where you come hey they're not meeting these goals because of these these and this reason you know but it's the goals of the company not whether the person is a piece of shit or whatever you know. It's like that you evaluate them on whether they're achieving the purposes of whatever organization they're a part of. You're not judging them on personal characteristics, Uh, even though sometimes those can get in the way. You know, if if someone's, uh, you know, sexual harassing or or treating people. But then again, that's not in line with the company. And Mm -hmm. so they're not fulfilling their role well. Right. But you still can't, you know, if someone's acts perfectly well in the office this this could be a little bit dicey here but but they they say really crazy shit in the <laughs> in the at the bar you know that might be misogynistic or whatnot it's like is there is there is that i don't know is there is there room for that for someone to be an asshole outside but as long as within the organization they're functioning within the parameters. Well, I think there 
has to be room for that. And there are limits. And there are certainly negative effects to, you know, a person who's performing their role in some given organization. And I'm someone who performs their role well mm-hmm. and yet is an asshole outside of work. It doesn't seem like that's going to last very long. That's true. Right? Mm-hmm. So if they behave, so if the, if the person who is being respected is also, it is required of them to take responsibility in order for that respect to continue. Mm-hmm. So this idea that respect also bestows responsibility onto the person who's being respected. True. Um, so if that person is being responsible, meaning performing the role well, mm-hmm. and yet being irresponsible at, socially outside of work, mm-hmm. then that person has two things at odds within himself. Mm-hmm. And one of the other is going to change. True. Most likely. I mean, it's like, it's like we've talked about several times before, but the, the divergence of narrative and reality can mm-hmm. only go so far before it snaps back. Mm-hmm. You have two things at, at odds with each other. They're, they're going to get resolved mm-hmm. one way or another. Which is interesting. But I, I feel like this is something most likely you and I both were taught as kids too. You know, you represent your family. Like, hey, that's not how Vaclav acts. Mm-hmm. Or that's not how McCloskey acts. They're just sort of like, you know, when you're in the public, you are representing us as a family. Like you are, you are a symbol and and representative of mm-hmm. us. And we also heard this in school. Like, you know, we're the, we were the Puckett Panthers and, in elementary school. And when we go off campus to like a, some sort of, uh, uh, field trip, you know, it's like, okay guys, you guys are Puckett Panthers. You're representing Puckett. So everyone act, you know, act well and all that kind of stuff. And, and there's something in that, that, that makes sense. It's like, you are a representative of your groups, of your group, like whether it's a church group or, you know, that's kind of built into Christianity. You're a representative of Christ. You know, it's like that you, when you go out into the world, it's like people see that, you know, and they're going to judge you by that standard. Uh, well, this, I think this is a, a, an adjacent sort of example to the idea that you can use a word without knowing, without being able to define it. Mm-hmm. You can know what a word means without knowing the definition. Mm-hmm. Cause it's just like that, you know, <laughs> we're going out on this field trip. So you're a pucket behave like puckets. Mm-hmm. What is that word? Pucket? Well, the Panthers, but oh, okay. yeah, pucket pucket was a school and pucket Panthers. Yeah. Yeah. So we were the greyhounds. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like act like a greyhound. Panthers kick greyhounds. Asses. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, most likely. <clears throat> um, you know, but you can say something like that. You can say, all right, greyhounds, Let's show them who we are. Mm-hmm. Act like a greyhound. And you don't have to explicitly define, well, how does a greyhound act? Because it's enough for, if so, it's enough for me to say, to ask that question to myself. I'm going out on the field trip and the teacher has said, or the principal has said, you know, behave like a greyhound. Mm-hmm. For me to just simply say, well, how, it, internally, like, well, how does a greyhound behave? Mm-hmm. And then I can sort of, I can sort of start answering that um, I can start answering that by feel, you know, I can go out and start acting as I might want to on the field trip. And then I can say, well, would a greyhound act this way? And how do I answer that? In part, it's, well, what do I know of greyhounds? 
Mm-hmm. What do I, what do I know of my, um, my faculty, my teachers, my principal, what do I know of my friends, my co- uh, um, classmates? And then what would I want a greyhound to act like? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, as you're acting it out, you're figuring it out at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's never in need of explicit definition. And you might have, you know, you show up on the first day of school and you get the book of, you know, it's got the, uh, <laughs> the student handbook, <laughs> the student handbook, right. Uh, and it's, and it might have like a list of values in there, you know, mm-hmm. and you'll read them and you'll think these are meaningless, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as you act these things out in the world, something like, well, act like a greyhound and you start figuring it out. What is that? And so it, I think it ends up being like a declaration of, like a declaration of hope. Mm-hmm. Like we are people that are worthy of admiration and we're formidable and we're um, respectable. Hmm. And it's also reinforced by the elders in the sense, you know, teachers. Hey, you guys did a really great job. Well done. Or Right. Or, and so then you might be like, oh, I didn't know what a greyhound acted like. But now that they're saying that we did a good mm-hmm. job, I guess we did act like greyhounds. So now we can look at ourselves and yeah. say, how does a greyhound act? <laughs> well, just look at me. Do or, like I do. Or, or you guys are going to miss the next recess because you would not get in line. You would not be quiet. We mm-hmm. had, we missed our bus, you know, uh, so you guys are going to miss your recess. Oh, okay. Well then that's not how a greyhound acts. Right. Like we missed our bus because we were misbehaving and <laughs> threw everything off. I guess a lot of times it's easier. It's more, it's easier to say what something isn't than what it is mm. because what something is in part is what we want something to be. It's more than what it is. Mm-hmm. And what we want something to be is also somewhat ill-defined because we have this, this sense that even if we could use, if we were as articulate as we could possibly be, we still couldn't quite describe how great something could be if it were as good as it could be. Yeah. And so it's, it's hard to say what something is. Mm-hmm. It's much easier to say what it isn't. It's like, yeah, you didn't get in line when you were asked. That's not how a greyhound acts. Very easy, very explicit. You know, mm-hmm. what's that Peterson rule? Uh, don't hate your kids, or <laughs> <laughs> that was that was wrong. But it's, like... <laughs> it's a profound rule. Don't yeah. hate your kids. No, it's uh, don't let your children do anything that would make you dislike them. Dislike them. Yeah, I think that's so powerful. Like even that's what your teachers are doing for you. It's like, hey, in order to move into the future and to be likable, it's like, here's how you act. And if you act that way, it's actually going to open up avenues for you because there's people in positions of power and authority that are looking and trying to accomplish things. And if you can show that you are able to extend that respect and that sort of um, uh, behavior then they're going to be a lot more open to you and they're going to welcome you in because that's, that's a valued and they're going to teach you because when you extend that respect to somebody who's older and knows things that you don't know, they're more willing to take you in and teach you. Um, 
you know, if you, if, if you're a, uh, a know-it-all, <laughs> you know, then no one's going to want to teach you, you know, it's like, <laughs> well, that occurs to me too. Like, you know, going back to the example with, with kids, mm-hmm. you tell your child, your three-year-old not to run out into the parking lot mm. and they might ask you why, why? And you could say, cause you're going to get hit by a car and then they go run out in the parking lot again. Mm-hmm. It isn't as though they're like, I'm okay with getting hit by a car. Yeah. You know, it's like, they don't understand that. Mm-mm. They don't, un- there's nothing real about that to them. Yeah. What is a car even? Mm-hmm. And you know, maybe it doesn't even hurt, you know, I don't know. And so you have to sort of shortcut that by saying, well, no, you're just going to respect me and not do it because I told you so classic dad <laughs> phrase, right? <laughs> because I said so, <laughs> Totally. which also goes back to this. It's harder to find, what things should be than when they're not that because so many times as parents, we say that, you know, we say, because I said so, um, you know, or just because, and then as they get older, you know, you can tell a 10 year old don't run out of the parking lot cause you'll get hit by a car. And they're like, yeah, I wasn't going to run out in the parking lot in the first place. Like I don't want to get hit by a car. <laughs> Duh. You <laughs> know, right. <laughs> but then there's an equivalent of that when they get older, which is, you know, they're in high school. You should, you should not skip your classes. Why? Because if you skip your classes, you're not going to graduate on time. It's going to be late. It's going to be horribly embarrassing to you. And you're going to have a hard time moving out into the world. And they're just like, they don't understand that. It's like, so I don't care. Right. But then again, it's also not even about graduating. It's about showing up it's like learning, that, mm-hmm. yeah, learning the discipline to right. And what is the classic, like middle school or high school, or say yeah. it's like we're never going to use this math, uh-huh. right? Yeah. So and and they might ask you to justify why it is that you're asking them to do these things, and you can't, mm-hmm. you know, or it sounds really lame, or it sounds really lame. <laughs> so you just have to say to the same the same reason you said to the three year old, you're going to respect me and do what I said. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to do the same thing, but that game gets a lot harder because. Well, you've actually hopefully successfully educated them well enough to mount a logical argument back in response. Uh And you're probably going to find it hard to win that logical argument. And you're going to end up being, you know, falling back on the classic line of, you know, don't skip your classes because I said so. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, if you, if you don't respect me, then I'm going to make your life harder than it already is Mm -hmm. until you start doing it. Yeah. You know? Which is interesting because there's, there's something that kind of happens too. You, I mean, you've seen this with your kids, um, you know, just using like the, the get hit by a car type thing is, you know, you're yelling at your kid, don't get it. I come here. And then they have a close call and their eyes go, boom, I get it. Yeah. You know, there's a sort of, I get it. Like when dad says, don't go into the street, you might get hit by a car. And that happened. I get now, I don't know he exactly what happened, but like, <laughs> right. That means something. Right. And, I think and then you might think like, well, how did, how did he know? And I didn't know, Oh wait, he's really tall. He can see over all this stuff. Well, maybe I should listen to him more often. He's seeing things I can't see. <laughs> but even like as, as they're getting older and they're pushing back against us and there's a certain part that we're like, okay, I've tried, I've, I've taught you a lot of these lessons and there's some things that you're just going to have to learn on your own. I'm going to tell you, Hey, it's best if you don't skip your classes, but you know what? you're also going to have to suffer the consequences because you are, you are coming to an age mm-hmm. where it's actually on you. That's a, I find that to be a really difficult part of parenting 
is you have to slowly start giving your children over to their own consequences. Mm -hmm. It's much easier when you can give them the consequences. Yeah. And you know, I, I remember a time when my son, my now 16 year old was probably about three. And, um, I've, I've told this story before on the pod. Um, definitely. But he, we were having a party and there was a fire pit and it was hot and he kept trying to go touch it. And I kept pulling him back and reprimanding him. Don't touch that. Don't touch that. You know, and he, it's like, he didn't know why. And so he kept trying and it became a fun little game. And finally I just thought I'm going to have to give you over to your own consequence. And I, I watched him, just watched him walk straight up to it, full hand palm on it, you know, and kept it there for a second and then freaked out. And, you know, his hand was all burnt and, he never did it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's much harder as they get older because the consequence isn't a burn that heals in a day or two or whatever. Mm-hmm. Quick lesson learned. It's like... Could be a baby. Could be a baby. It could be... <laughs> yeah, like all kinds of things that last a long time. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, like they're driving. The, there's a lot more consequences. Driving, to- the, the... You know, the the you don't do your school well, well, maybe you don't get educated enough to get a job that you really want and you like. Mm. And how many years of doing something that you don't like does it take for you to realize that you should have paid attention in algebra mm. and that all the people around you who are doing better and are succeeding and moving up, they seem to have something that you don't have and it seems unfair. And how hard do you have to think about that and how much humility do you have to have to realize that, oh, I've tracked it all the way back to the fact that I never learned to get myself out of bed on the time that I said that I would, Hmm. you know, and that can take, well, it takes a lot of humility Mm -hmm. and a lot of time to unwind something like that. Yeah. Even just to to just understand it. That's not even to say to change it. Mm -hmm. So to give them over to the consequences becomes harder and harder. Yeah, because I mean, there's just the thing of like the other side of that too is like overprotecting your kids. Yeah, it's not good. And not allowing them to disobey or to sort of defy you. It's like there's a certain aspect as parents we need to allow our kids to defy us mm-hmm. and to learn what that means. Um, and I think that's also part of like even in, as a good manager or a director, you know, allowing your staff to sort of push against you. And in, there might be some things that, that that actually comes really good, and uh, you know. So I think there's a humility, even for those who are in positions that are best- that respect is bestowed upon them. Yeah. You know, that they have to have the humility also to allow that sort of dissension to a, to a degree, because uh, if you allow too much of that, then it, it, everything kind of goes into chaos. You know, hmm. but when things are too rigid. You know, it's like you do need sometimes somebody to, no, we're not doing that. We're doing this, you know, and it was defying orders. There's so many great movies in the, in the military of this yeah. thing, but you can't have that. That's like a, that's like 99.9%. You need to follow orders, mm-hmm. but you also need to know that 1% where you need to be a dissenter and that you're willing to suffer the consequences. Right. But you understand that. I believe so much that this is the, the time that I need to dissent 
And I'm willing to pay the consequences. At great risk. At great risk, yeah. And and even pay the consequences, even if this is wildly successful and saves the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's that's... I feel like there's so many movies that kind of symbolize that sort right. of, you know, like I defied the queen, but I defied her in honor of her. Defied her to save her life. To save her life. Yeah. But I still, I still technically defied her. Right. And then you either see the queen give clemency or, or sorry, you defied. Right. And that's the hard and fast rule. Mm-hmm. I feel like the three musketeers or something in that with that too, but <laughs> I kind of forget now. Yeah. Yeah. I think that defiance is part of the process of individuation mm-hmm. when it comes to children specifically. Yeah. Like you want your children to individuate. You want them to be individuals. Mm-hmm. And if they can't defy you, then they can't become their own people. They can't just do everything that you say to do for the rest of their lives. It's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. For one thing, you're going to die before them. <laughs> but yeah. for so they'll be screwed once they stop having a place to take orders from. But like the creative spirit is a defiant spirit. Mm. You want your and your kids are full of creativity. Yeah, and you want them to use that creativity to put something new into the world because that's what's going to fulfill them and make them successful. Yeah. Um, and so you, you want them to defy you, but you do, you do want that to be, well, I'd say it starts with it being the exception, mm-hmm. like that 0.1% exception. Mm-hmm. And then as you give them over to themselves, you give them over to their, well, to their own consequences and their own successes. Cause you also want them to have their own successes. Mm-hmm. You don't want all of their successes to be because Tribute of you. To you yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's what we, you know, we're really mad at Trump about for a minute there when he first got elected. It's like, Oh, you're just daddy's boy. You're, you know, mm-hmm. your, your dad made you, mm-hmm. you're not actually rich and successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not success. Yeah. She's use that as a recent example. Not that that's true or false, but the point, the principle is true, I think, is that you don't want your kids to be successful because of you. Well, it's almost like we kind of inverted everything. Like we are, we're wanting our kids to individuate at, a, at an age where that's actually not healthy or good for them. It's like too soon to have them individuate. And we see this sort of, you know, where a three-year-old can determine whether they're uh, a boy or a girl. It's like, that's not really in the realm of their, of their responsibility as, as that. It's like, that's, that's part of the parents responsibility to, to help curate and, and, and help them into the future, you know, where you see a, a parent, a kid telling a parent what to do. It's it, like, that's just not healthy as far as in that, um, in that stage of life where they're at, like, no, they're needing to learn boundaries and to be able to function within those boundaries because it's healthy and it's good for them. Um, that's really interesting. (laughs) Yeah. You shouldn't want, you shouldn't expect a child to know who they are. Mm -mm. You shouldn't want them to know who they are. Yeah. Like you want them to be playing pretend to be trying things, to be exploratory, exploratory, to play games, to have fantasies, to tell stories, invent things. 
you know, and <clears throat> yeah, I think it's too much to put on a kid to say, you know, well, even something like, well, tell us what you like. Hmm. So uh, it's something I've always really appreciated about my mom. There was a time when I was young where I noticed that she would tell me what I liked every once in a while, but always in like really, um, in ways that I thought were interesting. And I noticed that there were times where like I could think to myself, well, what's my style? You know, like maybe I'm in middle school. I'm thinking, what's my style? Mm. How do I want to dress? What do I like? What colors do I like? Do I like this? Do I like that? You know, you're coming up with, you're, you're confronted with this question all the time because it matters now. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking I should ask my mom. And the reason that I thought that I think is that she would tell me what I liked. But it, it's not that she's telling me what I should like. She's noticing what I'm not skilled enough yet to notice. Mm-hmm. And, and reflecting that to me. You know, like I came home, the first CDs, once we got a CD player around the house, um, you know, it's probably, I could look up the years, probably, you know, 96, 97, something like that. I came home and my mom had bought two CDs and as a gift and put it on my bed. And it was a collective souls, <laughs> um, hints and allegations uh-huh. and Hootie and the blowfish, that uh-huh. first record. Yeah. <laughs> and she said, I noticed that you liked these and I, I wanted you to have them. And I looked at them and I, I didn't know who these bands were. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I remember asking her like, why did you think I'd like these? And she was like, just when we're in the car, we're listening to the radio. I noticed you sang along, you know, most mornings to these mm-hmm. songs. You seem to really like them. And I thought, huh. And I played the CDs and I was like, I do really like these. But I didn't know that I liked them. Mm-hmm. You know, it took a loving, observant adult to notice that and then call it out mm-hmm. for me to be like, yeah, I like this. Okay, this is my style of music. Now I know my style. Yeah. And it and that was so so incredible, you know. That here I am, twenty five years later, thinking about that. Mm-hmm. So I think we should, you know, we want to tell our kids in some sense who they are because they don't know who they are, mm-hmm. and we don't want them to know who they are because we want them to be free mm-hmm. to discover, to play, yeah. to yeah. It's really important and. Sometimes maybe defining who they are too early, you know, and too can put them in too, yeah. too yeah, too narrow conf- confines of mm-hmm. of what they actually could be. Hmm. So after this whole conversation, if I asked you, how do you define respect? Well, I, I still come back to like uh, probably three different parts to it. You know, respect is earned, respect is given, and probably like something like respect is probably like cultivated too. Because I think it's earned in that you need to show that you're worthy of respect. You know, and there's some, I think there's a part that it's given from somebody, and that's something that we demand actually in certain situations, like where, you know, 
your child needs to give you respect because it will help them into the future. You need to give your boss respect because it will help you into your future. Mm-hmm. So there's certain, there's certain, oh, that's, like, interesting. That, that's sort of like, I'm asking you to give me respect, but it's not something that the person can ask of you, but that you need to give willingly in order to move into the future. If you don't give somebody respect, then you're not going to be able to move into the future. And I think that's something that's a learned, a learned, you're not going to be able to move into the future in accordance with the stated direction. Mm-hmm. Cause at some point you're going to come, you're going to come at odds with whoever is in authority. And if that is something that's going to, you're going to lose respect for somebody because you're at odds with them somewhere, then it's it's it, it's not helpful because that's an unrealistic expectation to never not be at odds with somebody or to like disagree with somebody on something. It's like respect is a general, um, in an institutional way, is a, is a general um, uh, understanding that this person is in this position in order to help us meet these goals, mm-hmm. whether I agree with him or her or not. That was, a, that was about too long-winded for... That. <laughs> I was like, well, I just kind of like basically... <laughs> I'm trying to sort all that and, mm-hmm. and um, condense it and summarize it. Earned and given. And also, th- I think there's that part too. And I think there's an aspect that is also demanded mm-hmm. in, some, in, some, in some forms. So as an, I mean, I think in some as an individual, sense, I need to earn respect. As an individual, I also need to give that to others. And also, in other in other parts, I need to uh, I need to acknowledge the respect that's that is due that position, like a cop. Yeah. yeah. There's another example that just came to mind, which is like of sports players. You know, often sports players. Do people call them sports players? Athletes. <laughs> <laughs> That was so good. That was great. You know the sports players. The sports players. (laughs) You know the sports ball they play? (laughs) Um, Athletes, you know, tend to be big, bombastic personalities and Mm. not like each other. But you might imagine an athlete being asked of another athlete what they think about him. They might say, you know, well, this, that, and the other, but I respect him. Mm -hmm. And what they're saying is the role, is, is basically acknowledging that other athlete is formidable at his sport. Mm-hmm. His skills demand my attention mm. because if I don't pay attention, he's going to beat me. Mm-hmm. I respect him. Mm-hmm. So I, I treat him as though he's worthy of serious attention, whether I like him or not. Mm. I think there's something similar to that in, um, like, when I say to you that I respect you, mm-hmm. part of what I'm saying is I take you seriously hmm. in, in almost everything that you do. You could come to me and say, you know, which you actually do fairly often is like, I've been thinking about this thing. I have this crazy idea. And then you go off on, you know, a tangent here and a tangent there. And I don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> you know, and then you'll be like, Oh, I, I lost it. You know? <laughs> and, but I'm with you the whole way. I'm taking seriously what you have to say, even if it's not making sense. Because I know that it will make sense at some point. Mm-hmm. 
and usually we'll get there together by having conversations <laughs> like we do on this podcast. But totally. so that's another aspect of it. I, I take you seriously as I treat you as though it's going to make sense, hmm. which is the same thing that you're asking of the three-year-old. Because when the, when you tell the three-year-old not to run into the parking lot, it doesn't make sense to them. Mm-hmm. And so when you say you're going to respect me, what you're asking them to do is to not do something that they want to do, even though it doesn't make sense. Hmm. So you're treating me as if what I'm asking you to do will make sense at some time in the future, or it does make sense now, even if you can't understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So, which is exactly why when, my, when I told my son he was being disrespectful and he said, no, I'm not. Well, there's the evidence of the disrespect. Mm-hmm. You're not treating me seriously as though what I'm saying makes sense, mm-hmm. even if you don't see it now. Yeah. It's kind of also saying that you don't understand what I'm going through. And there's that part of like, no, I'm 40 years old. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, yes, I might not understand your specific situation, but I understand where you're at for the most part, you know? And I I need you to kind of somewhat respect that. Yeah. And that my, the information that I'm giving you is coming from that space. I want to add one more example to to fit into this example or this definition of respect or this attempt at a definition for respect, because Mm. I think the presidential office one is an important one, Mm. which is that when the president speaks, you will listen. I think that we both sort of said that was something we were taught when we were growing up. Mm. And why is that? Well, because you should take it seriously. Mm. Why should you take it seriously? Because this is the most important office in the world with the most power Mm -hmm. and what he's saying, whether it's about domestic or foreign policy, whether it's about economy or war or whatever it is, is important. It's going to affect us. Mm. So whether you like him or not, it's maybe even, especially if you don't like him, you should sit down and shut up and listen, Mm. which is to treat somebody with respect, treat them as though what they're saying is serious. And so when we disrespect the office of the presidency, well, then we don't know what's coming down. We don't know. We can't be eyes open about where things are going. We can't even like vote democratically. It's like a democracy, I think requires respect for the institution Mm -hmm. of government. Well, also when you do that, you you also attribute to the position itself. When you give that respect to the position itself, it's like you almost then demand that of the person. But if you stop respecting that position because you don't like that person, you know, I don't think you're able to call someone to a higher, a higher, a higher place. You know, again, I can think of me places where people expected certain things from me and I maybe have respect that maybe I don't know if I really even earned, but they called me into a higher, um, a higher calling almost because that was, I mean, like even as an entrepreneur, you know, uh, especially in my younger years, you know, when I'd have somebody come up to me and it's like, Hey, what should I do here? 
And I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing. You know, it's like, but they're like, they, they showed this sort of honor and respect towards me as somebody maybe had more years of experience than them. And it kind of calls me into that place where I, I start to act as if I am that person that you think I am. Right. And it actually causes me to be a, a better person. Yeah. Because that's a higher order. I, or, higher order ideal both for you and the person mm-hmm. and it's like the person showing you respect calls both of you into that it, like it lifts the ceiling mm-hmm. for everybody yeah yeah it makes you more than what you were so it's interesting it does i think that provide giving people that respect calls them into a higher yeah a higher calling or a high aspect of who they are Cool. I think it's a good place to end it. Yeah, it is. That was fun. That was. I enjoyed that. I don't, know if I, have I, a, I don't have a Winston's definition yet, but like, <laughs> we, I feel like we circled the wagons on that one so around and around. True. Yeah. All right. Well, cheers, y'all. Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming on this journey with yeah. us. Thank y'all. Love you. Bye. Bye. Did you sleep 45 minutes?